Bill has been talking about friendship for four, four weeks, I think, and we talked about Jesus is a friend of sinners. Well, that includes us, <laughs> and so it, it, it's good to have, have a friend in Christ is one of his many attributes. We also talked about different friendships in the, in the New Testament. I think we went through about eight different passages. Uh, and then last week we talked about people who appear to be friends, but they're really not. And I heard some good comments from a lot of different people about, hey, yeah, I, I kind of get that. Some people are good meaning, but they're not always friends in some of the things that they say. We're going to talk about two good friends this week. You know, I should be a lot more nervous than I am up here, but probably the reason I'm not is because we are our friends. We're growing in our friendships. And, um, and I know that if things are not polished, we're, we're, still, we're, we're going to make it. And so I've, I've shared from time to time. I don't need to share. You know, of, I don't have to tell you about my sins or my failures. You spend life together. You learn about other people. Well, for once in my life, or several times perhaps, I did the correct thing. I was led by, by the Holy Spirit. And so this is not a braggadocious. It's just how God can use us. Sometimes we're available. It was October 16, 1999. Billy Graham crusade was in St. Louis. And our church was involved in ministry over there and counseling and serving and doing different, different aspects. And uh, I was uh, sitting about five or eight rows up maybe from uh, a bunch of young people from our church that had gone to, to, uh, to hear uh, Billy Graham speak. And um, there was an invitation, and uh, three or four, I, I can't remember, uh, made a commitment. They went forward for more counseling. And it was as though God was saying, why don't you go talk with those guys? Now, I'm 50, and they're 18 to 20-year-old. So I asked them, I said, hey, would you guys like to get together and, and talk about what we just did? You know, yeah, yeah. So on a Sunday night, after the church was empty, we went to the back of the hall, we sat on some easy chairs, and we, we began to talk. And over the next two years, maybe as 10 people uh, began to, to come. And we, we shared just chit-chat for a long time, and then we began to study the scriptures for a while. And after several weeks, I said, how many friends do you guys have? I'm real curious, how many friends do you have? The five guys were there. You want to take a guess on how many friends that they talked about? I'm talking about deep-rooted friends, not just casual friends. Zero. Now, one man had, one young man had what they called a serious friend. Well, ministry opportunity was there that God gave me. And we spent, as I said, a couple years uh, together. And I got a, a text or an email from one of these friends. It was about five years ago. And he said, I've written a book. You know, I'd, I'd love for you to, to come for the signing. And you know, I was kind of, he only attended about half the time. And I was kind of ho-hum about that. And somehow they got word to me or through Linda and said, you probably ought to go there. I said, okay. So I do go there in the book signing. And he opens up the fly of the book that he wrote. And he said, 
dedicated in honor of a friend who stuck by me and led an example in his life, Steve Hampsch. Well, it's not about me, and I was, I was humbled. Sometimes we don't know that we are friends or we need to be friends with others. We just don't know. We just try to do the right thing. Once I did the right thing. Some of the men have been successful, some of them not so much, but, but that's, that's, that's in God's hands. And so we're going to be, uh, be opening the passage here uh, a little bit. And there's two friends that uh, are the main focus here, and that's um, Jonathan, Saul is king. Jonathan is his son. He's heir appendant. Uh, heir, what word do I want? Next in line, <laughs> to be king, and David, who was just a, just a shepherd boy uh, who was selected by, by Samuel. And we're going to talk a little bit about Saul, because Saul, being the daddy, uh, was instrumental. The two books of Samuel are written in reflecting the work of the prophet Samuel. And so we'll see him in here just a, l- a little bit. And so what I want to do first, if you'll indulge me just a little bit, because I think we, when we go into the Old Testament, what are we talking about? What's the culture? What's the time frame? And I, I don't want to bore you with a bunch of history because I'm not that good at it, but I want to fill you in just a little bit of what's going on so you, we can build uh, this relationship, this friendship that we're talking about. First of all, uh, God called Abraham to what is now Israel, and said, this is, this is the land that I'm promising you. He, there's several generations went by, and um, uh, Joseph goes to Egypt. His family goes to Egypt. They, the nation of Israel, for the most part, is in Egypt. They're under bondage. Moses comes into the picture and says, let my people go. Spends 40 years in the desert and begins to develop a society. His right-hand man, Joshua, enters the promised land. Moses didn't get to go, but what, the, what they set up as judges, and we have the book of Judges in here. In other words, families solve their problems by perhaps the patriarch or someone in the family. They begin. And then as families got bigger, they began to be tribes and clans, and they developed judges. And then the country itself had judges. And if you read Judges, there were some good ones and some not-so-good ones. All of a sudden, at, towards the end of Judges, uh, the people said, we want a king. Samuel said, no, this, this is not what God set up judges to, to do uh, his work, to, to keep justice going. And they said, no, we want, we want kings because all the other nations got kings. And Samuel lamented. He said, ah. Lord, and God spoke to him and said, it's not your fault, it's not you. Let the people have a king if they want a king. And there were several things that were going to happen once they got a king, and that was being taxes and, you know, the, the things that we experience under uh, a kingship or a presidency. And so Saul became king. And Saul was a, was a good warrior, he, he uh, had built a great reputation. The Holy Spirit was on him. And then um, some things happened to Saul. And I'm, 
I'm going to cover just a few verses. You don't need to hop, hop in there, but I'm going to be in uh, chapters 15, 16, and only take a couple minutes to go through. But So Saul being king, the army was having some problems going to battle. And Samuel said, don't do anything. I'll be there in seven days and will sacrifice to the Lord. Seven days came. Samuel didn't make it. He was running late. <laughs> we don't know why. Saul took it on himself to do the sacrifices in the temple. That's a no-no. Only a priest could do that. And, and God says, I'm very displeased. I regret making Saul king. Chapter 15, God says, Now I want you to go to this, this particular country and I want you to wipe out all the people and everything. They're, they're evil. Saul wiped out part of them. Kept a few, kept some of the bounty. God became angry with him and said, you're foolish, and David will succeed you. David will become king eventually. Verse 20, or verse 12, it said, Saul built a monument for himself. I'm so good, I'm going to build a statue. And um, once again, that, that pleases, displeased God. And verse 20, chapter 15, said, you've rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. Then we know about David. He gets, shepherd boy, he gets chosen out of, what, six other brothers? He says, you will be the next anointed. But he doesn't take kingship right away. He has to wait till Saul is, is uh, out of the way. But David's chosen. In 16.14, it said, the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit had tormented him. Then, just a little more history there I'm going to read. Said, After David had finished talking to Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his family. Later in that chapter, Saul and David had gone to battle against the Philistines, and as they were coming back into town, there was like a parade, And it said, uh, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistines, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and and, uh, timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry, and this displeased him greatly. They've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me, only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. In verse 10, David's playing a lyre. He was a musician. Uh, David wrote 71, 72 of the Psalms. And Saul would get these anger feet, uh, temper tantrums, and he'd call David in and say, play music for me and try to soothe him. While he was playing... Uh, Saul grabbed a spear and tried to pin him against the ground, against the wall. A real loving guy, right? (laughs) That happened twice. In 19, uh, verse 11, going out to to battle, and he says, I want you to to kill a hundred Philistines, and I'll give you my bride. I'll give you my daughter as as a bride. He comes back, and he kills... Saul has 
said that he said, he'll never come back. That way I'll get rid of him. But David comes back with 200. Killed 200. And Saul said, he sent men to try to kill him. So that's, that's the scenario. Jonathan is the heir apparent to the um, kingdom. David would be chosen. And so we're, we're now going to make it to chapter 20. And, and here's what I, I just kind of propose. The Word of God is, is uh, you don't need me to, to explain the Word of God. And so we're going to go, it's kind of a long chapter, but we're going to go kind of verse by verse, and I'll just make a comment, and may um, you glean from, from the Scriptures um, whatever God might have in your heart. Chapter 20, verse 1. Then David fled from Naoth at Ramah, and he went to Jonathan and asked, and I'm going to stop there, David's on the run because Saul tried to spear him twice. He's getting out of town. Men were trying to kill him. So he meets, meets Jonathan, and he says, What have I done? What's my crime? How I have wronged your father that he's trying to kill me? Jonathan replied. Apparently he didn't know what was going on because he said, Never, Jonathan replied. You're not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? It just isn't so. Well, two things in friendship. They're communicating some deep feelings. Uh, they have a difference of opinion. David thinks he's, he's going to be killed. Jonathan said, that, I know my dad. That, he wouldn't do that. That's not going to happen. And that's what it is with friendship, too. Sometimes we need to communicate those deep feelings. Uh, I've, I've shared before, you know, we come to church and sometimes we say, hey, how are you? Fine, fine, good. And, and how's life? And, and that's that lower level of communication. And that's not bad. But then we say, oh, what do you think of those Cubs? Or what do you think of the Cardinals? Or what do you think of the weather? Uh, and those are good things. But um, deeper in life, we begin to say, well, well, how's your mom? I know she's been sick. Or will you get to those deep, deep things it's like, like I'm hurting? Or you might say something, I'm celebrating, I got a raise, or I graduated from school. And so those deep feelings are hard to come by. With a deep, close friend, you can do that, but we can't always do that with everybody. And that's okay, because not all of us have all friends, but this is deep communication that these two men are doing. Your dad's trying to kill me. It's not so. But David took an oath and said, Your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he said to himself, and he's quoting Saul, Jonathan must not know this or he'll be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and you live, there's only a step between me and death. So once again, they're, they're going to that deeper communication. He's trying to kill. Verse 3. But David took an oath. When you take an oath, particularly like in the Old Testament, the word oath and swears uh, seems to be used back and forth here. I, as a kid, um, what was I crossed my heart, hoped to die, stuck a needle in my eye or something like that. Remember the, that? That was kind of the way of saying, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. This is really the way it is. Well, an oath, this, this was a serious... Um, commitment between one another when he took 
took this oath. And he says, Yet as the Lord lives and as you live, there's only a step between me and death. And Jonathan said to David, Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And we see an attribute of friendship too is they have a difference of opinion here, but Jonathan says, I'm going to submit to you. What can we do? How can we find out who, what is true here? And um, I think that's a real positive attitude because we like to be right. Who likes to necessarily submit? But, but he said, let's find out the truth. So here, here's the plan. And now this slays me a little bit because it's a good plan, but it's not necessarily the truth. And I don't see necessarily God dealing with this, but uh, it's one of those mysteries that not not too clear. So I'm beginning at verse 5. He said, Look, tomorrow's a new moon feast, and I'm supposed to dine with a king, which is Saul. But let me go and hide in the field until the evening of the day after tomorrow. If your father misses me at all, tell him, David, lay, David earnestly asked permission to hurry to Bethlehem, his hometown, because of the annual sacrifice. Will we be hearing anything about Bethlehem in eight weeks or so? It's David's home. It's his heritage. Joseph and Mary, obviously, were going back to their heritage because of the census. So we see the connection between the Old Testament and New Testament here. I'm going to see the whole clan. If he says, very well, then your servant is safe. But if he loses his temper, you can be sure that he's determined to harm me. As for you, Jonathan, show kindness to your servant, for you have brought me into this covenant with you before the Lord. A covenant's even more committed than an oath or a swear. A covenant is like a marriage where it's man and wife and, and God. So he, he's making a, a, a contract, if you will. He's serious about making a covenant. If I'm guilty, kill me yourself. Why hand me over to your father? I'm so serious about this, I, Jonathan, I would rather you kill me than turn me over to your father. Wow. Verse 9. Never, Jonathan said, if I had the least inkling that my father is determined to harm you, wouldn't I tell you? Jonathan seems to be saying, I, I don't suspect anything from my daddy. I'd, I'd tell you if, if something was going on. He said, I don't, I don't know of anything. Verse 10, David asked, who will tell me if your father answers harshly? Good question. Like, what are we going to do? If, I'm, if I don't show up, what's going to happen? How, how are you going to get word to me? Now, David's been in hiding, so he doesn't necessarily want to be exposed if his dad is angry. In verse 12, Jonathan said to David, Swear by the Lord of Israel that I will surely sound on my father at this time the day after tomorrow. I think it's important in a friendship he says, Oh, let's get lunch sometime. No. He said, I will, I will swear in front of the Lord that I will get a word to you the day after tomorrow. That commitment to, to relate and to come up with a, a plan or an answer is important. 
if he's favorably disposed towards you, will I not send you word and let you know? But if my father intends to harm you, may the Lord deal with Jonathan, be it ever so severely, if I don't let you know and send you away in peace. May the Lord be with you as he's been with my father. But show me unfailing kindness like the Lord's kindness as long as I live, that I might not be killed. And do not cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the earth. What what I I think he's trying to say here is, um, if if my daddy is, is harsh, I understand that you're, you're going to be, be king eventually. He said, please do not harm me. Please do not harm my family. But, but let it be uh, before the Lord that, uh, that we will honor one another and our families. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, may the Lord call David's enemies into account. Once again, makes a covenant to God who said that I pray that all of David's enemies would be accounted for and that he, he will be able to reign. And he, and he says in verse 12, and you'll probably recognize this, Jonathan had David reaffirm the earth out of love for himself because he loved him as he loved himself. Well, we just studied in Mark, was it Mark 12, I think it was? Pastor went through. Love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> That's it's almost uh, identical that um, Jesus quoted as the second greatest commandment. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is a new moon feast and you will be missed because your seat will be empty. The day after tomorrow, towards the evening, go to the place where you hid when this trouble began and wait for me by the stone of easel. So the, they're beginning to develop a plan here. Go to this safe place you've been hiding there by this stone, and here's the rest of the plan. I'm going to shoot three arrows to the side of it as though I were shooting at a target. Kind of an elaborate plan. Then I will send a boy and say, go find the arrows. If I say to him, look, the arrows are on the side of you, bring them here. Then come because you're surely safe as the Lord lives. There is no danger. But if I say to the boy, Look, the arrows are beyond, then you must go because the Lord has sent you away. And about that matter that I discussed, remember the Lord is witness between you and me forever. So this, this is the plan. I'm, I'm sure that you probably got it. They're out in the field, uh, a young boy, probably a last age, <laughs> shoots the arrow. If it's to the left, he said, everything's safe, come on back. But, but if not, take off. That's, this, is, this is the plan. So David hid in the field. And when the noon f- feast came, the king sat down to eat. He sat in his customary place by the wall opposite Jonathan, Abner, sat next to Saul. But David's place was empty. Saul said nothing that day before he... Something must have happened to David. It must be ceremonially unclean. Surely that's it. He's unclean. 
But the next day, the second day of the month, David's place was empty again. Then Saul said to his son Jonathan, Why haven't the son of Jesse, I don't know why he doesn't call him David, I guess that's Old Testament. Why hasn't Jesse come the meal today or the meal yesterday? Just ask him, where, where is he? How come he's not here? Jonathan answered David earnestly. He asked for permission to go to Bethlehem. He said, let me go because my family is observing this sacrifice in town and my brother has ordered me to be there. If I found favor in your eyes, let me get away to see my brothers. That is why he has not come to the king's table. That sound, sounds reasonable. It's not the truth, but it does, does sound reasonable why he wasn't there. It, it, it could have been possible, but we know David's out hiding in, in the field. So what would a daddy say? What would a daddy say to his son? And call him a liar, you would think that he would say, oh, I get it. It's okay. However, verse 30, Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan, and he said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Wow. Just called his mama something not good. Don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother who bore you. Wow. I'm glad my daddy never talked to me like that. <laughs> wow, that was, had to be tough. As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Perhaps we're getting to the root cause of some of Saul's anger. His son may not get the kingdom. It's going to David because David was appointed by Samuel to be king. And this upsets, it's more important to Saul that his son, perhaps Saul himself, leaves a legacy as opposed to uh, allowing David to become king. I continue. Now someone, someone to bring him here to me because he must die. Wants to kill David. Don't want anything to do with him. And, and here was John, Jonathan's response. Now, I don't know, when I was young, probably you two, we were asked never to talk back to your daddy. <laughs> but we see Jonathan defends his friend, and he confronts his father in a assertive way, which, which I'll read beginning of verse 32 here. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled a spear at him and tried to kill him. Then Jonathan knew his father had intended to kill David. You think? <laughs> so I don't know what kind of daddy he was. Uh, I, I know that he had an evil spirit. Uh, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit um, seemed to come on people to do a particular function, uh, to prophesy or perhaps to win a battle. But the spirit had been removed to him and he had... Uh, uh, God allowed an evil spirit to be in him, and, and he, his son's heir apparent, and he, he tries to kill him. He tries to pin him against the wall with a spear, his own son. So De Jonathan says, I get it. <laughs> I really think he's trying to kill my friend David. Verse 34, 
Jonathan got up from the table in fierce anger. On the second day of the feast, he did not eat because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. He did not eat because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. Which is something to say for Jonathan. I think if I was Jonathan, I would have been upset with my father. It wouldn't have been my, my friend that I was upset with. But, um, but he was grieved because his, um, his, his friend was going to be threatened. Saul wanted to kill him. He couldn't eat. He was upset. Perhaps you've been upset when a friend of yours has turned on you. Or perhaps they've shared something deep and you hurt for them and you, you're upset, you can't eat, you can't, um, you mourn, perhaps, perhaps weep or um, are grieved. You know, I'm hardly using my notes, so we'll just keep moving and I think we'll, uh, we'll begin here in 35. In the morning, Jonathan went out to the field for his meeting with David. Had a small boy with him and he said to the boy, Run and find the arrows I shoot. As the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. When the boy came to the place where Jonathan's arrows had fallen, Jonathan called out to him, Isn't that arrow beyond you? Which was a signal to David. Then he shouted, Hurry! Go quickly! Don't stop! This signal to his friend David. Get out of town. The boy picked up the arrow and returned to the master. The boy knew nothing about what was going on between Jonathan and David. Only they knew. Then, then Jonathan gave his weapon to the boy and called, go carry it to, to the town. This is the same field uh, back in uh, verse 11. It said, come Jonathan, let us go into the field, so they went together. The field was a safe place where they could go out and talk, and David would not be seen, uh, and perhaps Jonathan would not be seen either. So, you know, sometimes with a friend, it's, it's important to get to a safe place where you can talk or share uh, our feelings, our, our, our hurts, our loves, our joys. Um, a couple of years back, uh, I was going through a bit of a tough time, and a friend called me up and said, um, hey, can we talk? And I go, sure. Um, he said, uh, meet me out at Silver Lake. There's a bench out there by one of the pavilions. Let's, let's meet out there. It was a safe place. We could go out and we could share and talk, and we were not interrupted by anything, anyone. And so there, there's times in our lives when we need to get with perhaps a spouse or a friend, and go to a safe spot. I don't know, it could be Starbucks, but <laughs> I suspect that it might be someplace where there's not a lot of, a lot of noise or a lot of uh, distractions. But a safe place is, is, is good to meet with a friend, and that's what they did. After the boy had gone, David got up from the south of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. The message was, is go beyond, hurry, leave. David did not. He did not leave. He came back to Jonathan. 
bow down three times, which is a, a sign of homage to someone who is loyalty, uh, like a king. In this case, Jonathan was a prince. So we see Jonathan submitting, or we see David submitting to Jonathan out of, out of great, great respect for his friend and for his position with his face to the ground. Then they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most. <laughs> they were grieved because of Saul's terrible, terrible uh, hate, anger. And uh, it's interesting that David wept the most. I'm not sure what, what that means other than the fact that um, they knew that their friendship although it was lasting forever, it was probably not going to continue in the environment that they were in. And sure, sure enough, Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me and between our descendants and my descendants forever. Then David had left, and Jonathan went back to town. It's the last time that they saw each other. Although their friendship may be enduring, life went on. Saul continued to hunt David. Um, I think I, sh- I, I shared about when David was fleeing out into the countryside that Saul took his, like, his secret service group of, of um, men, soldiers, and tried to, tried to kill him on several occasions. David had a chance twice to kill Saul. But he had swore to David, I will not harm your descendants. And he swore to the Lord that he would not kill God's anointed. We see after about 20, chapter 26, I think it is, that Saul goes into battle against the Philistines, along with his son Jonathan and his brothers, and they all perish. They're all killed. David eventually becomes comes king and we know the story about um, I shared that he was a musician he was a writer, he killed Goliath he killed the Philistines, he became a great warrior and we see tons of New Testament looking back to David both uh, Jesus was to be a, a, a seed from David and we see both Joseph and Mary descendants go back to David of, of course, God the Holy Spirit was the, was the Father. But all this being said is about friendship. It's not necessarily easy just to become friends. We can't say, oh, I want you to be my friend. It takes, it takes time sometimes. It takes, it takes effort. Not everybody that we would like to be friends with would uh, reciprocate. But what about, what about us? What is our responsibility? And Bill, Bill talked about it before. We must be available to be a friend to someone else. And it may not be a two-way street, but we've got to make effort to do that. Whether it takes years, and it could be. I have found, and you probably have found, uh, uh, in our family group, uh, the guys who get together on Thursdays, uh, the ladies' groups, um, all those things are opportunities to become closer. 
And I, I know we're doing hot cocoa again for the parade in uh, November, and Summer's having uh, some girls over next, next weekend. And, um, you know, I get it sometimes. I said, you know, I'd rather stay home and watch football today, or I'd rather go shopping. Uh, but I think as Christians, we need to put out effort to one another to be available for friendship. Linda will tell you when we first got married, I hated funerals and I hated weddings. And she says, you really need to go. And she was right. Because we, we meet people, we talk to people, uh, and the potential for friendship. You never know who's, who's grieving and will listen, want just someone to listen to them or to become close to them. So I would uh, aspire that we would um, seek to be friends with people beginning even today. And you know one thing that I meant to do? I meant to pray before we read the scriptures. Forgive me, Lord. <laughs> so let me, let me pray now and, and uh, for the beginning as well. Thank you for the um, illustration, the story of Jonathan and David. And the things that they overcame with a hateful, angry father for the friendship that they shared by coming together, to swearing to one another, uh, creating an oath, having a covenant to one another, uh, to love each other's family. Uh, just thank you for that, that you uh, allowed us to, to hear from your word. Be with us now, we pray. Amen.